Hello and Feliz Navidad. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I mean, the holidays are great as well, I guess. Uh, as long as you celebrate. If not, you know, you get a, I guess for not everyone gets a day off anymore. Uh, you know, it's turning into just another, another day, December 25th. But the most wonderful time for many Canadians, Americans, uh, Czech people, Swedish people, Finnish people, is that usually on Boxing Day, which we celebrate here in Canada and a few other countries, uh, December 26th, that is the start of one of the fastest-paced tournaments you are ever going to see. And that's not just because it's on ice. That is the World Hockey Junior Championships, where the best U-20 players gather from... 10 selected countries and battle it out for supremacy every single year and just happens to coincide with the holidays where many Canadians and others have the time off and what else are we going to do here during the winter except watch hockey and it helps when your NHL team is sucking because then you have another team to root for and you spend all of your energy so we are going to talk all things junior hockey uh, on today's episode as we near the end of the year uh, and we have two very knowledgeable and educated junior hockey experts uh, on our panel here today we have sean and alan regulars here on the show but they also kind of double as uh junior hockey fanatics yeah and it's kind of a little ironic we're both fans of the exact same team so i will try not to pound them the london knights too much tonight i make no promise i'll do my best but i make no promises same same here but uh you know that's a good that's a good thing about uh being junior hockey fanatics is that you you try to widen your scope on more than just your favorite team yeah, and a lot of people, if if you're not in the culture, you kind of forget that these are kids, you know, sometimes as young as 15. Um, but at least here in Canada, a lot of pressure gets put on them depending on where they are, uh, if they're, you know, close to getting to uh, the playoffs or Memorial Cup. Uh, and, you know, they start to yell at them like they're NHL, there's pros. These, these guys are in school. They're doing a degree as well, or they're still in high school. Uh, they're in a school hockey program. It's, you know, they're they're young kids, but they are billed as the next generation of talent that goes into the NHL or potentially leagues overseas um, or, you know, the AHL, ECHL. So that all culminates with a tournament that happens kind of halfway through the season. Uh, now, the leagues don't stop. It's just the best players get picked from those teams, and they say adios, and they go represent their country, uh, and their junior teams that they uh, are playing on, they continue on, and hopefully they don't uh, poop the bed while they are gone. Um, now, do you guys want to explain kind of how the junior system works? Because uh, in Canada, at least, there are three leagues uh, that are kind of feeder systems, if you will, for the NHL 
or at least uh, to be in the draft. So how does that work uh, in Canada? Uh, how that works. So you start out at the age of usually 16, um, unless you're granted an exceptional status through your country's hockey program uh, from minor hockey. That being that if you're too good to play at that level with your age group. Uh, so you start out at 16, you come in, uh, play, start your junior career. Uh, at the age of 18, and it's usually September 15th is a cutoff date, if I'm fully correct, for your draft year, that you, you, anybody born September 15th uh, of, their, of a certain birth year gets picked into the NHL. And it's obviously the top players go to the worst teams and then the best teams get what's uh, get their uh, get the next best available player. So there's still parity in the National Hockey League. So you get picked. So let's just say you get picked into the NHL. Teams have the option to sign you to an entry level contract. What that entry level contract does is basically locks you locks up your rights. Uh, teams still hold can hold your rights for a year. And then, or they can sign you to a contract for three years. They can still send you back to junior if you're under the age of 20. So if you get picked out of the Canadian Hockey League, whether it's the Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League, or Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League, just changed from Quebec Major Junior, you, you go back down to those leagues after... Uh, if you're under the age of 20, if you're at 20, you can still go back down for an overage season in those leagues, or you can be assigned to the American Hockey League. Yes. So I will just reiterate one thing. So for the 2024 NHL draft, players are eligible if they were born between January 1st, 2004 and September 15th, 2006. So if they were born September 16th, 2006, they're not eligible until 2025. Just to clarify that cutoff there for you. Um, I was going to say something else. I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, uh, come back I, to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's a great explanation. Uh, it... It, it's so weird. It's, you know, some schools have the, uh, you know, it, just like you're trying to register kids for school, those some school boards or provinces have that kind of almost exact same date, which is eerie. Uh, and then others, it's the full calendar year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, those 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 kids who were born the, the day after the cutoff, they're going to be there's so much extra. I don't know. They're uh, no one was in the room where they made that decision. So uh, no one's kind of either challenged it either. Um, and I will say uh, these are all, yeah, great points. So yeah, there are three kind of leagues uh, and you touched on the name change because, you know, some Quebec teams haven't been doing very well in the, in the queue. So uh, the maritime teams have been tearing it up. Uh, but I will say that 
it's different than uh, minor league baseball because sometimes you see the comparison and uh, I get there's some easy comparisons uh, where like there's a lot of, uh, you know, minor league baseball teams tend to have wacky theme nights or food or something like that to draw in people. And junior hockey kind of does that as well. They experiment with, you know, Star Wars night and, uh, you know, there's always the school game where kids get to, you know, leave school and go on a field trip to a hockey game and uh, the teams play at like 11 a.m., which crazy, but it's also crazy to see a, a rink full of, you know, kids from grade one to grade five or six just excited to be missing school and watching hockey. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some like themed and they try stuff and sometimes it doesn't work. And then you have your annual tradition games, uh, which we'll touch on in a little bit. The most famous, I want to say, out of all of them. Um, but I, I think after that, I don't see a comparison with minor league baseball because these guys are already drafted. They, they can be very, very young or they can be, you know still trying to make it to the league and you're 30 and you're playing double a baseball down in Palooza on a, you know, hit Vipers team or something. I don't know the crazy names that they have for uh, minor league baseball. Um, but it's, it's not the same. And uh, being in Canada, we don't, we have, we don't have minor league baseball like they do. We have other leagues uh, that are not associated where you can get called up to a major league team. And so I think people are trying to equate and just the baseball culture and minor league baseball is just very different from, from junior hockey. Uh, and I, I, after that, the, I think the comparisons just stop and you're kind of reaching for straws. Um, can you guys think of a, an equivalent that, listeners uh who aren't familiar with junior hockey we can equate i i don't other than it being you know these players are trying to prove to get drafted to the pros outside of that i don't know if there's a better description to describe junior hockey other than you know it's very family friendly it's young kids you see the future you can see start you know, how many of us have gone to junior hockey games and seen people who are playing now in the NHL and, you know, recognizable by millions of people. And, you know, we were there. I remember uh, for my friend's birthday, he was, uh, uh, we went to a London Knights Ottawa game to see Mitch Marner. I had no idea who the hell Mitch Marner was, uh, but he had been drafted, but he didn't make the Leafs. Uh, watched him play and I went, oh, okay, Okay, and then the next year, bada bing, there you go. Millions of people now know who Mitch Marner is. Um, it, am I on the? Am I just rambling? I I'm trying to equate it for listeners who are not from North America, where who they might be able to. Uh, so we maybe do it like, see the soccer, like the tiered system. See, I, it, that's yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, what you could do to equivalent, especially for so big soccer clubs in in Europe in particular. They'll have like an under twenty one team, mm. like they'll have a youth team. There we where go. Okay, yeah. Like they'll have a younger team of really good players. Now it's 
a little different, but that'd be an easy comparison where it's younger players working their way for playing time to get to that senior team. Okay. See, to move I, up the ranks for one club. I, 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 I hit the sport. I was, it's been a long yeah. week. We're, we're starting to get there. We're on, uh, we're on holiday fog brain. Uh, 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 as we uh, get inch closer to Christmas. So, okay. That, that, I, I really like that comparison. Yeah. Uh, another comparison, you, especially for any American listeners, is college hockey. Um, especially American players, they can they can come and play in the CHL. Many do. Um, geographically, depending where they're from, they'll be eligible for one of the three leagues. I believe it's west of the Mississippi River. You're eligible for the WHL. The Midwest area, you're and down to, I believe, the Carolinas and Florida is uh, the Ontario League. And then the New England area is uh, the, the Quebec League. Um, but so like players, especially the top end, 16, 17 year olds, a lot of them will be drafted into the uh, CHL, the American kids. And then they'll have the the choice if they want to come here or go play college hockey. Because if they come play in the CHL, for some strange reason, they still lose their NCAA eligibility because CHL players get a very small payment. They get like $500 a month or something like that. So the NCAA looks at, doesn't look at them as amateurs. Since they're paid, they lose their eligibility. But I'm pretty sure we're all aware of this whole nil stuff yeah, going on in college sports where they can get paid money. So that doesn't make any say, sense to me. Has that changed for hockey since the NIL has come into effect? Not that I'm gonna, aware of. I was just going to touch on the fact. Um, yeah, so like. You can, so like again, just to go in more context, like as an American player, you can get you can get drafted at sixteen, and then you have the option whether you want to come up to the CHL or a lot of Americans tend to wait until they're um, seventeen, eighteen, decide maybe look at college route and see about there, or sometimes they realize college isn't good for them because. The, the NCAA, that's still more of a focus on school where you're not playing as many games, whereas you come to the CHL, you're playing more of a pro-style schedule. Uh, the uh, Another thing, too, is, uh, Canadian, is the CHL teams have options of bringing in two players overseas from Europe. So countries like Sweden, Finland, Germany, uh, um Russia before the invasion of Ukraine, but we won't touch on that. I just want to give that as a slight example. They uh, So teams can carry two players overseas, usually ones that either are eligible for the NHL draft or have already been drafted into the NHL to get them accustomed to the North American style. So, And then that's a whole other layer on its own. So there, in, with hockey, there's a lot of options to go and uh it's just a choice for a player whether or not they want to choose what's best for them 
And you did kind of touch on it earlier. Um, if you're drafted into the NHL out of a CHL, like off of a CHL team, you only have the two options until you're 20 years old. The NHL, you have to make that NHL team or you go back to your junior club. You're not eligible to go to the American League. And the NHL, the CHL have that agreement in place to kind of help the CHL stay afloat. Because if guys like, well, he's in the NHL right now, so it's a bad example. But let's just say Connor Bedard, you know, didn't make Chicago. Well, he'd go back to the Western League and he'd sell tickets. And Regina would be very profitable. So it's a way to keep them markets afloat. No, that's a yeah, that's a great way of, of putting it. Um yeah, so I think let's just so so we've talked about yeah, kind of uh you know what's what junior hockey kind of is they've kind of touched on yeah eligibility so we've talked about the three leagues here in canada now uh i will point out that uh they did mention that college so unlike in america um our college and university system is a little different uh when it comes to sports uh like you guys said you're not going to go to generally you're not expected to get drafted out of a Canadian university hockey team like you would be uh, the big teams in America, like Boston College, Michigan, uh, you know, the Dakotas, Minnesota, uh, or the U.S. national development uh, system that has become really big since, uh, you know, in the past 20 years. Uh, so a lot of uh, Canadian universities field teams uh, for hockey and a lot of those are kids who started off on junior teams and maybe weren't getting playing time maybe figured out hey I'm probably not going to make the NHL because obviously you get drafted by a junior team and you make the team you're like hey I'm going to the show I'm you know I'm going to be a big deal and then life hits you pretty hard and fast and you know stuff for people are faster or whatever um, and then they elect to go uh, get scholarships or, uh, you know, get an education while playing hockey and using that skill to further themselves that way. Uh, so that's a little bit of the difference between uh, American. Uh, so they were, you know, choosing whether or not. And so that's why Alan was saying they'll wait until they see if they get any ho uh, university offers uh, from the states, uh, because if you're drafted at 16 as an American, you're still in high school. So you still have one to two years of high school. You're probably not going to leave the American school system to come up to Canada. It's going to be completely different, obviously different countries. We focus on different things in different subjects like history, obviously math and English and such are going to be the, basically the same, but uh, things like uh, history um, and, and other, you know, we might not have classes that they would be used to taking uh, you know, civics would be different. Uh, so it'd be a very big culture shock for someone so young, and that would affect probably them playing and all of that, and it wouldn't do anyone good. But that is also why, you know, no one said here, oh, well, maybe they're going to get an offer from a Canadian university. They probably would. Many people wouldn't take it because if your goal is to end up in the NHL or get noticed by a pro team, 
chances are, unless it's overseas, you're not going to get looked at for the NHL playing Canadian university. So a lot of the kids, at least when I, when I was in university, I think 90% of them had one or two years of playing experience on a junior team. I'll add to that, Justin. Uh, Most of it, they'll go to school after their junior careers because the leagues will uh, give them a scholarship. Exactly. Yeah. So if you play in the CHL, you get a scholarship to post-secondary if you do not turn pro. So it gives you more options. Yeah. And then there's a lot, at least I know. Uh, in Ottawa, a lot of the 67s who are in school, they'll take courses at Algonquin, not necessarily university, because I don't, you know, depending on the program, especially if you're interested in an engineering or a sciences, that takes up a lot of your time and you're not able to commit to practice and road trips and such if you have to make sure you're in lab three times a week. And so they'll take uh, courses uh uh, at Algonquin, something that might interest them. And then, you know, if they're able to go pro, cool. If not, then they're able to use those credits to go to university, take a lower uh, course load uh, and be able to do hockey that way and then get the subjects, uh, the, the courses uh, specific to their subject that they're taking in school. Uh, you know, Canadian university systems, probably very different than the American system. So... <laughs> And I will point out also, if any Canadian university hockey players listening, your dreams of playing in the NHL are not over. That is correct. Logan yeah. Thompson was playing for, I believe, Brock University just a few years ago. And yeah, now he's not, with Vegas and is a Stanley Cup champion. So, like, it's not a for not sure over. thing. Yeah. And how, and we've seen it where, especially in more so in Toronto, um, with like the, with the Leafs, uh, one of their uh, emergency goalies, uh, his name's not coming to me right now. Uh, I think it was last name Alexander, uh, actually got to appear in an NHL game uh, when he was uh, initially on the bench and then came in in the last part of the game to close it out. Uh, just as a thank you for signing a one-day contract. So there's little things like that that you can take out of that, even if you might not be going pro. Yeah, same thing here. Uh, Edmonton, they had, they called up uh, the U of A goaltender uh, like like three hours before the game because the that's how much of an emergency it was. And I think it was like nine two or something. And there are four minutes left. They're like, yeah, go out there, sure. Like, so yes, uh, that's why. Yeah, I I made sure to dance around that. It's not like a hundred percent the door is shut, but you know, it's not an expectation. But if you have talents. Uh, you know, the talent will find a way. I, I that's I, I like that saying. No matter what route, your your talent will take you to the the proper avenue. Well said. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, uh, do we want to start in the far east or start out west? Well, let's start near Neck of Woods. Let's start out west. All right. I mainly just want to say some of the fun names because, you know, talking about uh, minor league baseball and the fun names, we got really fun city names and town names here in Canada. And many of those people have names. So uh, the way it's laid out, kind of like they were saying with the American division. So 
uh, division on like where league, what league you go to. So uh, Western Canada from Manitoba all the way to BC, the Western part of Canada, we have the WHL Western Hockey League. And it's divided into two conferences, the West Conference, which is the teams that are in the West part of uh, Canada. And then we have the uh, Eastern Conference, which is essentially, uh, weirdly, Alberta all the way over to Manitoba. And then the West Division is BC. Now, it's not specifically Canadian teams. Uh, I think only uh, the Q, there's no American. Correct. There's no, yeah. there's no American team in the Q. But there are. And was it last year that the Memorial Cup was held on the American side, or is it? No, this that's this Memorial upcoming Cup? year in Saginaw. This com- okay, yeah. This upcoming year in Saginaw. And American teams have won the Memorial Cup. We'll talk about what the heck a Memorial Cup is. Um, but you know, we have teams traditionally. You know, Vancouver, Victoria. You know, Seattle, Spokane. Uh, you know big cities that you guys uh, around the world have, at least Vancouver. I'm sure most of you have heard of Vancouver. Uh, But then we get fun teams like Everett and Prince George, Kamloops. I always like to say Kamloops. Uh, uh, And then we have, I think this is, I don't know when they came to the W. um, Wenatchee? They 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 moved from Winnipeg. Winnipeg last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I know, but I, I believe it's when a when as I believe. Wenatachi, okay. Something along those lines. I th- I may have just butchered it as well. I've heard it a few times, but yeah. It, well, I, I I've just seen it now for the first time, so I. <laughs> but I guess that makes sense that, you know, I'm not seeing Winnipeg on here, so that, that explains a lot. Uh, for the Eastern Conference, which is essentially Alberta this way, you have your Edmontons, your Calgarys. Calgarys a really cool story uh, because it was started and one of the original owners uh, and still associated with the team uh, is Brett the Hitman Hart, one of Canada's greatest or if not the greatest wrestler. Uh, and wrestlers are athletes just because it's... I'm not going to say the S word, but, uh, you know, just because some people may kind of understand what's going on before, um, you still have to be an athlete uh, to do everything. Um, And so that's where the hitman come from. That's his nickname. Uh, So really cool. Um, You have uh, Saskatoon, Regina, Red Deer, Moose Jaw, fun name to say, um, these ones are less kind of small town and all the, you know, big, big towns or cities uh, in that part of Canada that you'd expect to have a hockey team. Uh, and then we didn't even touch on the fact that each province pretty much has its own league, which these players uh, are usually discovered uh, to get drafted into the the WHL or the, the OHL or the Q. Um, and so the, there's, the whole the system the system starts when you you you're playing Timbits and there's you know a U five coach being like that kid's a good skater I need him on my team and once you're in you're in the system, <laughs> um, and yeah it, 
it varies from year to year what teams are good, what teams are bad. Uh, some teams kind of go all in on one year, especially if you have a once in a generation talent like Connor Bedard we were talking about. So he played in Regina for a few years. Uh, they, you know, tried to throw everything to get to the Memorial Cup, uh, which we'll still talk about in a little bit. Um, but first, you have to make the playoffs uh, and then win your uh, whole league uh, to get to the Memorial Cup. Um, yeah, have you guys ever been to a WHL game? Being out in I've Ontario, I've never been to a, game, been to a WHL game. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're more in the uh, Ontario area, so Sean and I, we both go to Knights games, but I've been to a few games out on the road. I've been to a game in Kitchener, Guelph. Uh, I've been all the way up into Barrie before, and I've been down to the States to um, – Plymouth, Michigan, before they relocated to Flint. Uh, oh, wow. Plymouth. Oh, the whale. Oh, my hatred for the whalers. Oh, I guess this is a good jumping point to go to the OHL. Uh, because Ontario is so big, kind of like what Alan was saying, um, being in the, the southern Ontario area, there are so many teams that are just so close by. It's really easy to go to away games. Uh, in the western side, depending on where you live or what team you cheer for, it can be a little bit of a jaunt. Uh, if you're, if you're trying to, you know, if I wanted to go see a Regina Pats game, that's an eight hour drive, even from Edmonton, uh, you know, Calgary's a two hour drive. Uh, so, you know, some of these teams are spread out, uh, which is why WHL teams do not play in the OHL. Cause the closest team uh, is Brandon, I guess now. If Winnipeg yeah, is gone, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, Brandon would be the closest East team in the WHL. Yeah, so he's the only Manitoba team. Then let me tell you, that's uh, that's still nowhere close to the closest OHL team. So that would be like Sault Ste. Marie, I believe, would be the the closest team that they could. So that's why it's very regionalized here in Canada. And that's a 16-hour can... drive. Exactly. And I've I've done that drive. So it's not fun. Uh I've practically I've driven all the way across, not all at once, but I've done the drive from the eastern Ontario all the way to Regina, out here to to Edmonton now. And I used to do the drives to the Maritimes every year. So Canada's large. There's lots of driving. We uh, we do kilometers, but we measure in hours, not uh, how many kilometers. Because someone could say, oh, it's like uh, 1,100 kilometers. And you go, well, how long? So so the OHL, that is kind of where we all grew up. Our domain, uh, like uh, Alan and Sean said, they're London Knights fans, the evil empire. Who? Uh, I am a 67s fan. Uh, grew up with that. We all have hatred for certain teams. Like I said, uh, thank goodness the Whalers don't exist anymore. But ooh, that was did not like them. Uh, you guys don't like who's it? Kitchener? Are you still upset at the Spitfire because they were usually pretty good against you guys too? Oh no, yeah, Kitchener's probably number one. Windsor is one A, at least 1A, for me. Yeah. I, I hate Windsor. 
Uh, actually, so yeah, I've been to also both those rival ranks, Kitchener and Windsor. Um, depending on depending on how they're how those teams are doing will depend on who London hates out of that. Like, it seems like, of course, everybody hates London. Because uh, anytime I go on the road for games, I usually get a few chirps here and there. Uh, but you know, it's I take it all with good fun. Uh, I enjoy being from London. Um, the so Windsor, I mean, really, they uh, mid two thousands they hit a dark point with mm. uh, the whole hazing incident with Steve Downey, Akeem Malou. Uh, dark days. They they rebounded out of that. Won a couple Memorial Cups, which. I'll give credit where credit due. They had some good teams, uh, and uh, denied our glory moment with John Tavares. Still, uh, kind of stings. Um, I'd say an Eastern non-conference rival for me would be the Peets because uh, the Peterborough Peets. Two times they faced the Knights in the OHL finals, beat them both. Uh, I'm still a little. I could say a little bitter about the 06 finals because uh, it was four one-goal games. Two of them went to overtime, but I just really feel like uh, London really didn't get the benefit of the doubt those games. But, you know, that's just that's the excitement thing about junior hockey is, uh, anybody, is anybody can come up at any time and win. There's always constant turnover, even though London seems to do fairly well. Uh, in their in their league, uh, that's but that goes back to the whole point of drafting and developing. Uh, London is one of the better programs at doing that because they will go to some areas that other teams won't go to and find those uh, those uh, blue chip kids that can make a difference. I think yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Uh, any any team, uh, you know, I will say yeah, London, uh, Windsor for a long, long time. Um, back when uh, they were, uh, I just had their name. Um, Plymouth uh, Whalers. No, um, who Mississauga used to be? They were the oh St. Michael's Majors. Yeah, St. Michael's yeah. Majors. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, Ottawa's usually been very, uh, high up, uh, you know, the Peets have a little bit of a lull, but same kind of thing. Oshawa as well. If it's the development, there are the teams that throw all the, you know, everything in the kitchen sink to try and, uh, you know, get as far as they can. And then for a year or two years, they'll sit in the basement uh, while they have really, really young players just learning the game and the system. But the teams that are, they can, they can throw, London can throw the kitchen sink at everything. They seem to always have players who are really highly touted drafted. And then the next year, oh, look, we have another player that's drafted in the top 10. And it's like, well, how the hell do you do that? It's that coaching, uh, you know, building it, going and looking at the, the town of 500 people that may have a really good kid. And then you draft him and develop him. And so there are, there are people and long time standing coaches. That's also an important thing. Having a coaching staff that knows the junior system knows how to work with kids. Cause again, these are kids and how to get the best out of them, knowing how, you know, they're going to be kids. So how to get at them, 
keep their attention, uh, how they're going to act on road trips, how to get them to act on road trips, long bus rides, and still get stuff out of them while not, you know, not being, oh, they're, you know, a pro, blah, 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 and just yelling at them. No, you got to know how to communicate and get what you need out of them. And it's that it in itself takes a very special talent. So you get very special coaches like Dale Hunter um, and Brian. I just Killeray. want to jump in for Brian a second here. Sorry, Justin. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Knights and their ability to send players to the NHL. If I'm not mistaken, they've had a single player drafted every single year of their existence. Fair. I believe it's like 50... Every single year, but I believe it's over 50 straight years they've had at least one player drafted into the NHL. Um, and they have and they have a record of number one overall draft picks from one team. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk besides the one because John Tavares was drafted as a London Knight, but played for Oshawa. Um, and we have also the most draft picks from a single team in CHL history at 191 players overall. I was just going to add on the focus side of that, where it's like, it seems it's, you're putting out uh, guys that can put that, like know what it learn, understand what it takes to make the, NHL as best as possible. Uh, for a while there, it seemed like every year a London Knight was always getting selected in the first round, and that just goes to the coaching and the development of the player. Last year, two Knights came out of the first round. They're both on the World Junior team, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but it's just every year. it's And it's become such a culture here in London. And when at least... Sean, I don't know how long you've been going, but I remember as a kid, they were just starting to come into that after the Hunters took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale Hunter's brother, Mark, bought the team in 2000, and then they really started to put it in the building blocks to turning a uh, franchise around that really was basically just a stop between London and Detroit because before the Hunters, they weren't really that known as a te- good of a team. They were average at best. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, two years before the Hunters bought the team, the Knights won three games the whole year. In 68 games, they won like three. It was, um, so, so it's close, but it was uh, four years before. and uh, four that was years. Just, I... That was just yeah. before actually the uh, – OHL expanded by a couple more games. So it was six out of a 66 game. Though you're right, three wins, nine points overall. Just just a tough year. And those the worst part was those kids had to go around, like were around London and they were just they the confidence wasn't there. The uh it's and it was it was a tough it was a tough year. And that that hap- that that can happen sometimes. So it's just it's it's getting in the right frame of mind, and it's getting it's getting the trying to find a positive way to come to the rink every day. And part of that culture too is getting a buy-in from the town, city, uh, wherever that team is. 
uh, like you said, yeah, London has really rallied around the hunters and really like exploded. Uh, when you get into a big city market like a Toronto or a G, you know GTA area, Ottawa, and when there are NHL teams that people can spend their money on, that's when they you know that's the kind of the benefit of many of these teams focusing on a family experience, really fun, really uh, getting youth kids in their youth hockey teams coming for a discount uh, because they need that community buy-in. That's really beneficial to making the team survive. In addition to, you know, these players, they might not make the NHL. What happens when they age out? Well, that too is part of the culture and the, how well the coaches are is how well do these people who spend, you know, maybe a year up to four years, if they're lucky, molding these people in a very influential time in their lives, how do they mold them into becoming adults and going out into the world and being like, okay, well, unfortunately, you know, you pro hockey, uh, you know, maybe you chose not to pursue it anymore. You know, you accepted it or you're going to go play in Europe. Like, but you still have to become an adult and being able to prepare those, uh, those young people, people to become an adult and go out into the world and use skills that they learn not just on the ice but you got to teach them stuff like cooking finances you know all that stuff too gets built into these programs it's not just a hockey program and that goes unnoticed i think and very much unrewarded for many of the people that are involved as well as families who are included because these kids aren't from the town so there are many billet families that take in these players uh, that uh, live with them. So they cook their meals. They have a place to live because, again, it's very expensive and they're not professional. So they can't buy their own houses or afford rent. So the community has to buy in as well to uh, get these families or people to allow these uh, young adults to live in their house uh, for free. So it that community buy-in as well and if you listen to interviews watch videos uh, the teams do stuff very special for these billet families but just the admiration and the love that they talk about being able to provide and uh of course there's that like excitement be like oh it's like am i it's the next Wayne gretzky gonna live at my house for the year and all that stuff but uh you know that's at the back of their mind but you know it's just they get a joy out of it and it's just so special to those families that participate in those programs. And I'm pretty sure I'm just going to add in that the teams, even though the players do get like um, a little bit of spending money here and that per, per week type of deal, the team also does help cover those. Uh, some yes. of those. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What do you to, mean? A Almost professional athlete is going to eat. They won't eat the family out of house and home. Like the, they, they hardly eat anything, right? Like you know. And, and also the one thing that uh, people sometimes don't realize is, like the teams cover a lot of the expensive stuff. So like all the equipment's provided for them for the team stuff, sticks, skates, you name it. Stuff, stuff's covered for for them. So, and they're help put being put in in a school program. Some some of them do attend regular high schools and some of them they they're able to focus more on a uh, 
more of like a private high school. So like they, they do enough to get their high school credits because ultimately school does matter. School is a priority. Like you can't live off of hockey for the rest of your life. So you have to, no matter whether you go pro or not, you have to have a plan for life outside of hockey. And in, in, in sports in general, you got to have a plan for that. Uh, and that's, I think that's, what makes junior hockey systems very special here in Canada is that that detail that I, I don't want to say every team because I don't know, but the ones that are, I want to say, consistently successful uh, maybe have a better system in place. Um, but I, I'm sure they all do. And uh, there's all great experiences uh, coming from all of these teams. Uh, we'll, we'll make our way to the queue and then, as Alan said earlier, uh, the Quebec uh, Maritime Junior Hockey League just changed its name, finally acknowledging that the Maritimes exist. Um, before, it used to be called the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. It's a seamless transition. It's, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but you know it was news for a day here in Canada. Um, and kind of like the name suggests now, uh, this league is divided into two kind of areas. The Western Conference, which is all teams located in the province of Quebec. And then all the Eastern Conference teams, which are all teams located in a maritime province. Uh, so that is New Brunswick, uh, PEI, and Nova Scotia. There are no teams uh, in uh, Newfoundland currently. Uh, I will say there are two Quebec teams on the Eastern Conference side uh, because they are close to those maritime provinces. Look at a map. Quebec's the very big province. You can't miss it. So uh, geographically, it makes sense for a clump of teams to be in one conference. And then there are a few outliers and they just have a faster time getting to some of those maritime teams. So they uh, put them in the Eastern conference. Uh, and if you've ever been lucky enough to visit Quebec or the maritime provinces, uh, there are some lovely towns. Uh, and, um, you know, I highly recommend uh, I've been to a few uh, Moosehead games. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, I like it. They're doing very well this year. So, uh, can't complain. Um, I want to shout out uh, the tiny island of PEI. Uh, they have it's the it's smallest province, the lowest populated province in Canada. Um, but their uh, their rank in Charlottetown is pretty cool and crazy. Um, and the whole the whole island because you know you can get through the island and. Two hours, three hours. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, the entire island will come to games. Uh, so it's a pretty big deal for PEI to have a junior team. Um, do you guys uh, pay attention to the queue uh, a lot since it's like closer? Um, what's your? Uh, uh, what's your I'll be honest. On I really queue? only. I really only pay attention to the queue and the W, for that matter, during playoff times. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's the OHL from start to finish. That, that's and then, fair. I mean, yeah. it, it means nothing to you until playoff time anyways for those. Yeah, so. 
I'm going to just expand on Sean's point there. Yeah, it's more um, – usually the only time you hear about the queue is if there's like a generational type or a star player out type of there. So like a, in the past they've had like a Crosby, a McKinnon uh, a player come out of, out of those areas. Um, so you kind of tend to see more national f- coverage out of there. Uh, you don't really hear a lot of it until – playoff time with usually in the later rounds so once like you get down to the conference finals and the league finals that's where you see a lot more of the coverage stuff in all three leagues in general in terms of the national stage outside of that for the most part it's mainly focused on uh you mainly get a lot of more regional coverage i will say it's also a cool little quirk uh because gat no the olympique and Ottawa are right across the the river from each other. They actually play a little head-to-head series every year that counts to each team's regular season standings. I'm so glad you brought this up. Uh, I was uh, I remember when they first hooked up this idea, and I went to the first game. Uh, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a team you don't regularly see, and especially the first year, we're all like, "Whoa!" Like this is. Uh, and then, you know, the return game over uh, what used to be called the Bob, the Bob uh, arena is now the slush puppy arena or something like that. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring to it, but uh, yeah, a cool little quirk uh, thing that I wish other, you know, the opportunity you could, but, you know, again, geography and money all comes down to it. It just makes sense for, for Ottawa and Gatineau right there. It's that unique thing. Um so we've talked about playoff time. Let's get to an explanation of what the heck this Memorial Cup is. Uh, who would like to explain the Memorial Cup? All right. So the Memorial Cup tournament uh, originally founded in 1919 uh, as a donation from the then Ontario Hockey Association, now Ontario Hockey League, was donated as a uh, as a uh, as a uh, memorial, as a uh, okay, what's the word I'm looking for? I had it and I lost it. It was in honor of the First World War. Um, back I mean, over a hundred memorial to yeah. <laughs> yeah, memorial to the soldiers of memorial. the First World War. So from 1919 um, all the way up until I want to say mid 1970s, uh, each league area. Uh, for three teams would play for the Memorial Cup tournament. In 1974-ish, so mid-70s, the Canadian Hockey League had decided that, you know what, let's make the tournament a little more interesting. Let's add in a fourth fourth team. That fourth team would rotate between all three leagues and would be the host city, so everything was neutralized into one city, and it gets more... Uh, fans interested out of it so this year the there's one team already qualified for the memorial cup tournament as a host city and that is saginaw michigan the second ever time that's been hosted by an american city um so saginaw's automatically in the tournament no matter how they finish out this year uh and then they play the three league champions in a round robin uh First team gets a bye to the finals. Then the second and third team play in the semifinals. 
to play the top team in the final. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, it's it's a fast tournament. It's a it it you know sometimes oh, it's it's exhilarating if you go. It it's like yeah you know teams win the conference or teams win the league championship and to all those teams that's not good enough. It's win the Memorial Cup. Sometimes the host city uh, they'll be like take it easy if they lose in the second round of the playoffs that's okay they they are still guaranteed a spot in the memorial cup uh i've seen teams who are hosting the memorial cup go all in knowing you know oh we got to get good players Cam trades, trades, Cam <laughs> yeah that uh that worked out real well for them didn't it yeah <laughs> um but uh, yeah it's it's a i want to say a one of a kind tournament uh now is it time to expand it? No. 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 It's it's special the way it is. You get each league's champion. So I, it's I, literally a tournament of champions with a host. I, I only say this because sometimes the host teams, as good as they do, they, they just didn't prepare properly. And I don't want to say it's an easy win for all the conference or the league winners, but it's almost like a, a a team who lost in the finals, maybe game seven, blah, 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 would have, obviously we need a host and all that, that's never going to change. But there are times where the teams that lose in the league championships would have, uh, you know, better fight, blah, blah, blah. So do we want to push it to a, no. like the final eight, uh, the university style tournament, because there's always a host. And then there I understand the what you're saying, bud, but no, it's it's four. And and I, I know what you're saying too, like the league runner up will say yeah. could be better than the host. But typically teams are only bidding to host the tournament if they know they're going with a strong year. Like if you have a full team of 19 year olds, very good chance you're gonna have a strong team. That's true. It does so rotate gonna, though. Gonna... So every every year it goes, you know, WHL, OHL. So you almost have to kind of line it up too with when your league is going to host a bit. So it's yes. a it's a whole lots of math and numbers that you know I'm not good at numbers and math and yeah uh, they get the stats guy on the team to do it. So and it's so. it's there's so there's the on ice stuff with the you got lining it up to see how your team's going to do on the ice, which is a factor. But also another factor is the off the ice the what's what the community is what the rink is like um because it is it is a pretty much a money maker tournament um mm -hmm. london's had the privilege um and in, in both 2005 and 2014 to host the memorial cup tournament 2005 it was a it was a huge hit you had the nhl lockout that year so you had a lot more stars that were still playing in junior hockey um, and London was. Please don't mention good... 2014. Please don't mention 2014. Um, 20, you know, 2014. <laughs> I think, oh, I'm, I'm oh he did it. I'm only going to touch 2014 because <laughs> I was really like, I was, I was kind of a lot around with that. I think 2014 there was just a lot of 
there was just a lot of off ice stuff. Now the downside, if you lose, uh, like if you lose in, early in the playoffs, even though you're hosting, you're in. You have such a long layoff. You have such a long layoff, and to try and keep everything in shape uh, when you're not playing competitive games for up to a month or two is very difficult. So 2014 was just, there was a lot of expectations and um, too many eyes that year were on London. And I, I just don't think, uh, I just don't think things worked out quite as planned, but you know what? That's, that's the thing. It's the host team can either do well, well, win it all, still be competitive or it's just they're quickly out um it was still Uh, tournaments were still good uh having i got a chance to i got a chance to go to a little bit more of the 2014 one 2005 i only got to go to the one game albeit i got to see Sidney crosby play that was a hoot um but that 2005 team like that was you're never basically the team of the century as they were as they were crowned and really deservingly. So you look at the guys that they had on their Corey Perry, um, Rob Shrem, Danny Savrat, uh, list goes on. And it was like, they were, they were a stacked team that year. So and that's you, uh, the thing. Is that whole top team, of your head. Do you yeah. remember the other two teams that were at the 05 Memorial Cup? I can name Ottawa, all, I can, I can name the other three. Ramuski, yeah, I was just going to say Ramuski Oceanic was Sidney Crosby. Ottawa, who was the who was really the Cinderella team of that OHL season, finishing sixth. Um, I can't I can't remember any big names that they had, but Brian Kilray, a longtime coach, so that's their big name behind the bench. And Kelowna had like the likes of Shea Weber coming from out west, who had won the Memorial Cup the previous year, and they were making their third appearance that year. So junior hockey in some areas, it's really, it's really big, and it's it's a good tournament to go to always. It's it's a quick tournament, like you said, like three games, up to six. So every game matters. I remember the 05 because, uh, you know, being an Ottawa fan, it was London and Ottawa in the OHL finals. And uh, I remember that was the first time where I uh, kind of, un- you know, really paid attention and be like, oh, well, if London is hosting, like Ottawa gets in automatically because London will be there, win or lose. And so that's got to dive into like the, rules and like tiebreakers and like what that means and blah 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 i can't believe you don't remember the great Corey Locke montreal canadians draft pick from the 60s <laughs> he he was uh much better in ottawa than he ended up being unfortunately for for montreal but yeah like you said yeah there were powerhouses and ottawa had just a bunch of Guys who played very well together in a system that worked out very well, and but uh, we've been very fortunate to uh, to be fans of both Memorial Cup winning teams. So 
Now, what the people really want to hear us talk about is this dang tournament that happens halfway through the season where people represent countries instead of their teams. That is the World Junior Hockey Championship, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, it always happens the same time of year. goes around, around the world in different uh, capacities. But every, I think the still agreement is every three years, if uh, uh, if necessary, it ends up here in Canada because it's such a big deal. Past two years have I, been in Canada. Uh, I think the actually it's supposed to alternate every other year. So one year in Canada and then the next year somewhere else. It's just been in Canada a lot lately because of COVID. And then yeah. last year, Russia was supposed to host it. But obviously what they did, they were stripped of it. And Halifax just stepped up last minute. Exactly. Yeah. So that shows you how much of a big deal it is here in Canada uh, that we're willing to host it. Uh, and it's it's never like, oh, the World Juniors are here again. It sells out all the time. It It's a if you get to go, if you uh, are able to go to a game or get an experience of going to a world junior game, whether here it's Canada in the United States over in Europe, it people, thousands of people travel all over for this. Many are Canadians. Canada uh, is uh, coming into the tournament as the champion. The two time defending two time champion, two time, two time champion. Um, uh, beating uh, Chechia last year. Uh, and based on the overall standings from last year's tournament, that's how they determine the two different groups. So in this year, where it is, uh, lo the tournament is located in Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, uh, two different venues in the town. We have Group A and Group B. So in Group A, we have Canada, Sweden, Finland, Germany, and Latvia. Group B, we have Czechia, U.S., Slovakia, Switzerland, and Norway. And we'll talk about promotion and relegation uh, in a little bit. Uh, but essentially, the tournament goes. You play every team in your group once. And based on the overall standings, you get seeded uh, one to eight. The two bottom teams go into the regulation bra or relegation bracket where they fight it out for who stays in the top group and who gets relegated, kind of like soccer. So if you know soccer, you know the word relegate and what that means. Pretty foreign for a lot of people here in North America. Uh, and then it goes into a uh, single elimination uh, playoff style, so uh, one will play eight, um, uh, you know, two, seven, that kind of deal. Uh, uh, sorry, Justin. Yeah, it, I was just quarterfinals. You cross over, so the winner yeah, of Group A plays the fourth, fourth in well, Group B. Yeah, the tie breaking, pretty... the one to eight is just for uh, the rankings because when they the winners of the quarterfinals they reseed for the semis. Oh, then, well, so you that's know, you have fourth the place in there. fourth place in the that's pretty much one v eight or one v seven. I mean, you're not wrong, but I just wanted to clarify for people. No, that that is true. Tournament. Yes, yes, that is true. I was looking at the tiebreaker uh, table. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, and then yeah, so then quarterfinals, and then 
down to semis and then final and uh, uh, also a bronze medal game. Uh, the action starts on Boxing Day. That is uh, now for us here in North America. Some games are going to be a little bit early. Um, a lot of people don't tend to mind. Uh, for those on the Eastern time zone, the earliest game you have to get up for is 6 a.m. If that interests you, whether your country is playing, Canada's playing. Uh, and then the latest game starts at 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, of course, depending on your time zone, uh, that could matter. So for the Maritimes, that would be one hour early. Or for our dear friend, Sophie, uh, we miss you, Sophie. That's an hour and a half uh, faster. So that would be uh, 4.30 Eastern for those 6 a.m. Eastern games. Uh, or sorry, Newfoundland time, 4.30. Um, out West here, uh, I can't say I'm really going to get up at 4 a.m. to watch Chechi and Slovakia, but a 6.30 start for Canada-Finland on Boxing Day seems doable because it's Canada. Um, and then it goes on and on. Everyone gets to uh, usually, now this year's a little bit of an exception, uh, there's a uh, New Year's Eve game that's very popular. Usually when it's held here in North America, it's Canada versus U.S. or Sweden. A, a big name because we make a big deal out of it. This year, we get the chance to play Germany. How exciting. Bum, bum, bum. Bring in the new year. Very with fireworks, probably, but not uh, what it used to be. I mean, I'll yeah. just say, Justin, that's only because Sweden and Finland are in the same group. And yeah. it's in Sweden, so they get the New Year's Eve game. What? I can't believe they would do that. Right? Yeah, I know. The host, country, the host country gets to pick how their schedule lays out first, and then it goes from there. So They, they also play the, the early game together. I You figure they would be the last game. More More time off, man, for your next game. More time to rest up. Uh, I, I, mean, like, I, I don't know if he plays on the first anyways. Quarterfinals no, go no, second. But... Yeah, so yeah. there's usually a break uh, of at least one day uh, between the round robin and the start of the playoffs. Uh, and quarterfinals get started on the second. Semifinals uh, happen on the fourth. And then the relegation games start then. Uh, and then uh, Friday the 5th, that's the, the big day. The bronze and gold medal game. Which has always been weird because there's Usually never been a break between the semifinals and finals. They're usually day after one another, but it's, it's that, that weird. Uh, it's just kind of always been that way, and no one's really complained. Who am I to complain if no one else is complaining? Because I have nothing to complain about. So I actually love it. I I, uh, I think I mentioned this last year. I went to the tournament in Buffalo in 2018. Had a blast. Highly recommend it. If you can ever get to go to World Juniors, do it it is phenomenal and i'm excited it's back in europe the european especially the scandinavian fans you scandinavians are amazing i love uh, every one of y'all their rinks are beautiful they're uh just they they add an element of just uh, insane <laughs> insaneness is all <laughs> i can describe it as and it's really cool to see on tv and i'm hoping one day that uh we can all take a podcast trip over to europe for uh uh, for a uh, World Juniors uh, game, 
that is still on my bucket list. That is something I do want to go do. Um, if I just gotta, I just gotta see how much the tickets are going to be because I know here in Canada, they're not cheap. You know, something tells me that they're probably not as expensive over there as they are here, but that's, I have never looked it up or the exchange rate for that matter. I don't know how that plays in, but I feel like they might be a little bit less expensive. But I, I have I no research right. on that. So, but it just, just one of those feelings. If you are interested, next year's tournament, the 2025 one, they always call it the year that it's going into because that's when the finals happen, even though the tournament starts this year, finishes next year. So don't let that confuse you. So next year's tournament, 2025, that is happening in Ottawa. So if you want to head to Canada's capital, my hometown, highly recommend it. It's going to be a good time. Uh, you know, if you ask nicely, maybe you can stay with my parents. You know, they got they got a couple of spare beds. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, we have our kind of an, uh, pre-tournament uh, analysis. Uh, how do you think the group stages are going to uh, shake down? What do we expect from this tournament? And obviously, most importantly, who do we see winning the 2024 World Juniors in Sweden? Uh, I'll go first. Um, so obviously there are gold medal contenders and there's about, I would say there's five of them off the top of my head uh, right now. Canada, US, Sweden, Finland, and now Czechia, they got there last year. Um, we don't know the rosters of all the teams because they all haven't been uh, fully uh, announced yet. Uh, teams have uh, until Christmas Day uh, to figure out the rosters and submit. So they have to be submitted by Christmas Day. So we really won't find out till day one of the tournament. Who's it's called, sorry, stra Alan, it's called sorry. strategy. Could you imagine being that kid who's cut Christmas morning? Wake up Christmas morning with that phone call like, yeah, sorry, yada, yada, whoever, but yeah. not this year. I think Could you I'm imagine getting that phone call? Oh, now I think it's more of uh, if to do due diligence, because obviously, like, first off, you're asking these uh, kids to spend Christmas away from their families. So that would be kind of uh, that would be kind of uh, not a nice thing to do. Mom, can I miss Christmas this year to go play hockey? <laughs> uh, I think it's more of into um, it's in case an injury happens and you're trying to figure out what what it is. So you have until Christmas Day to submit your roster uh, fully. And then um, I there is kind of something where I think you have up until like the group uh, final state, like the final day of the group stage or something to where your roster is fully locked in. There's, there's weird little rules about that. I have to do more research about that. Uh, I believe it's the quarterfinals because last year at the New Year's Eve game for Canada – uh, Colton Doc popped a shoulder out. I don't know if you remember watching that game, but you could hear him scream over the TV, and that made gut wrenching feeling in my stomach because he could hear him. So Kano was able to replace him with Owen Beck because yes. it wasn't in the quarterfinals yet. 
Oh yeah, so yeah, so up up until like the one uh, just before the quarterfinals, and then your rosters are pretty well set. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you got your goal, you got your gold medal contenders. Now, obviously, Canada has two of them in their group with Sweden and uh, Finland. Um, I expect them to beat Latvia. I expect them to beat Germany. Um, Germany can also some years provide a good test. 2020, if anybody remembers that, Canada barely beat Germany like 4 1 or something like that. So it was a very close, it was still a close game. Uh, Canada still won gold that year. So uh, you can't take any game lightly here. And Canada rarely, like, ever does. Um, so I really think, just based on what I see, I think Canada should uh, probably finish like first or second. It's all. I think it's going to come down to one of their games between Sweden or Finland, uh, depending on how they start. Now they start with Finland on Boxing Day, so they got a tough test right out of the get go. Uh, and then, so really, you could toss up Canada, Sweden, Finland. Uh, you know, Sweden, Finland, New Year's Eve is going to be a good game, even though it's not Canada involved. It still can be a good game because. That's the European rivalry of junior hockey over there. Group B, it's really going to come down to Czechia and the U.S. Uh, I think the U.S. will probably take that group. Uh, they do look fairly strong. Normally, they uh, they bring in quite a few CHL players. This year, they're only bringing in three. Um, their goaltender from Barry, and then a player from Flint and Erie. So a lot more NCAA focused U S national development players that are going over for the tournament. But I think U S will probably take uh, the other group. Uh, And then I still feel like Canada, we have a good shot. Um, The, the kids know that playing for your country here, the expectation is gold. Um, I still think we have a good shot with gold, but it's, it's not going to be an easy tournament. Fair. Um, I'll just say I have uh, Sweden winning Group A. I know their ridiculously long group stage winning streak did come to an end a couple of years ago, but they're always phenomenal in the group stage. Canada's lost to them numerous times. They're the host team. I feel like Sweden will beat Canada. And that will be Canada's only loss in the group stage. And so Sweden's going to win it. They have the group. Sweden's going to win the group. Canada's going to finish second. Finland third. Germany, Latvia. Um, but also, unlike you, I don't think there's five gold medal threats. That's You're saying half the field can win the gold. Which, I mean, theoretically, that's true. But I think that's just a little high. There's probably only three, realistically, that have a shot at gold. And that's... Got to compose myself compose myself before I say this. This is the Americans. <laughs> I think they're the, the, the true favorite this year. Um, yes, I, I, I know I'm Canadian. I said that I, the Americans look unbelievable their roster uh canada and then because it's in sweden 
Sweden's my other gold medal potential. But I got the U.S. walking through Group B with their only true test being Czechia. Now, I will say the Slovaks, they've got some good talent. There's a, uh, they got four or five guys that are really solid players, and they could surprise, but I wouldn't say they're a semifinalist, though. There, there'll be a quarterfinalist for sure. Interesting. So I have the opposite of what Alan was saying is I have Canada losing to Finland uh, and no one else. And I think that New Year's Eve game of Sweden-Finland is going to push Sweden down to third in the group rankings at the end of that. Um, because they will have both lost to Finland and Canada. Um, Group B, uh, I think it's going to be a battle between Chechia and the U.S., and with U.S. coming out on top. Um, I have Canada winning bronze this year. And I have a United States-Finland final. And if Finland makes the final and Sweden doesn't, you know the fans are going to turn on Finland and just cheer for whoever they're playing. So it'll it they could use the Americans could use the crowd uh, to overpower Finland. I know they've been on the cusp for uh, after winning it finally. I know they've been on the cusp to get back to it. Um, so I think it's going to be a U.S. Finland final. Um, not sure who Canada is going to beat in the bronze medal. I'm going to throw it out there. It's going to be a surprise team. You know what? A team is going to surprise whether it's uh, Switzerland or Germany. I think they're going to surprise and uh, play Canada for the bronze medal. Talk about a hot take from Justin. <laughs> yeah. It's not even I, the know, host Sweden. Not, you know what? I Call me crazy. Sometimes these these predictions work out. I always look back at the 20, uh, 2014 World Cup. I had a bold predictions, and they all see. Uh, if I wish I was gambling back then, because I would have made a lot of money. But uh, uh, that's call me crazy. That's my that's my prediction, uh, which is going to make Canada hungry to get back to the gold medal for twenty twenty five. Yeah, I will just say, I didn't say who I had winning, but my final four, so my semifinalists, Sweden, Finland, Canada, and the U.S., and I have the rivalries for gold and silver. I got Canada, U.S. for gold, Sweden, Finland for bronze. See, yours sounds more exciting that the viewers probably want to see. They don't want to see what my, what I'm I'm putting down, but uh, yeah, yeah, yours is much more exciting, so... I hope that happens, but something in my gut says. Hey, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Germany go on a run. Not at Canada's expense, of course, but I'd love to see Germany go on a run. Or Switzerland, for that matter. Um, so, I actually have I, – I, I pick Canada to win the group. I still think uh, Sweden's going to finish second, Finland third. Um, 
And in Group B, I have U.S. winning, Czechia finishing second, uh, Slovakia finishing third, and Switzerland finishing fourth. I think uh, Slovakia, if they if they catch if they catch a team at the right time, they can, like they said, they have some good players that um, could potentially steal the games. Their goalie, they almost stole the quarterfinal game last year from Canada. Remember, it took a, an incredible Bernard overtime goal just to get to the semifinals. So my final four, I'm going to have Canada, U.S., um, and I'm going to have Finland and Slovakia. Um, Sweden, don't know. It could be the pressure on home ice. But Slovakia is that team that could catch them. I have Canada, U.S. final. I think Canada's going to come out on top out of that. Uh, I just think that uh, we've had we've had we if we if they play well they know the importance of the Canada U.S. game. Uh, I don't think the U.S. has that really big of a roster. Um, if they're leaving some guys what? off, I, I still think what? Canada can take. I still think Canada could take them, um, and uh, I. Uh, you said you were a junior hockey guy. Yeah, but uh, see, the U.S. normally, like, when they do well, they have a lot more CHL players on their roster. Historically, when they've won gold, they've they've done better, um, and they've done they've done better with having guys that have come from the CHL. They only have three guys this year, and but 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 the Americans do have Will Smith. He went fourth overall this past year. Ryan Leonard. He went seventh overall. Cutter Goche was a first round pick two years ago. That kid's a beast. Yeah. Perot was but, another high we've pick. It, but we've seen it before. I, I remember 2021 in the COVID tournament where, you know, I, I knew the U.S. was a really good team. And everybody was talking about how dominant Canada was because they had 19 first round picks and they lost the gold medal game. So equally good American team. The Americans <laughs> were no slouch that year. Yeah, no, the, the Americans were deep. Like they had really good goaltenders those years and Spencer Knight and Dustin Wolf, who were back in those tournaments. Um Slovakia's goaltender. Um he's he's Last returning year, back. Sorry. Adam Guyan. That guy's got a great Yeah, Guyan. <laughs> I know I was gonna say Gajan, but I knew it was something similar to that. Guyan, he's back. So I think he'll but a hot goalie can really carry you. Um, Canada's got good options with goaltending this year with the guys that they're bringing. All those guys, they're putting up good numbers for their teams. And for a while, Canada's downfall was the fact that they didn't have those game-breaker goalies. Um, for a while. Still kind of is, but I know what you're saying. But now, for a while there, they started – having Canadian hockey league teams focus more on developing Canadian goalies. So for a while there, they didn't have the, uh, they didn't because they, they put a ban on European goalies. Now that they've started to develop goalies a little bit better, like last year, Thomas Millich for Canada came in and uh, did a really good job uh, throughout the tournament, helping, helping Canada backstop. So, I really think Canada has gotten better in the goaltending department, but that's what makes the World Juniors 
what it is. It's 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 a wonderful, surprising tournament, but I really do feel like with what Canada has uh, in terms of um, guys that play hard, I mean, ten. yes, they have 10 first-round picks of their own, and, I mean, two of them play here in London. I've seen up close. Cowan is going to be one of those guys that he's going to help that Canada depth if he plays on a third-line role. I would say he started the practices on the top line with Matt Savoy and Connor Geeky, the two uh, wet natchy wild players. Mm-hmm. So just, just, yeah, I, I do feel, but I do feel like can like Canada still like Canada knows that like, you know, these guys, that, what this tournament means and they, 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 they now have a better understanding of the tough competition and don't get me wrong. It's still it's still going to be a close tournament, and I, I and I know my prediction could be off, but again, it's Canada's always going to be strong every year. Um, the U, I'm going to put U, you on the spot here. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me three game breakers from this Canadian roster compared to the Americans that I named. Um, I'm going to say Easton Cowan is one. The, being the London guy, because like I I see the way that guy plays game in game out. He can play penalty kill. He can play power play. Um, G- Connor Geeky, um, another guy. Um, Allard, who plays up in Sault Ste. Marie. But you, want, I'll give you a fourth. Celebrini. Canada is going to have that thirteenth forward that's going to come in and make a difference, and it's what's ha- helped them have success in the past. Akil Thomas in 2020. So Canada does have good depth on here, and their defense looks really solid, too. I don't know. I'm, I'm Canadian, but I'd still take Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot over the, the guys. I, I, even though Cowan is here in London with us, I just me personally. And it does, I don't like to say that. I don't want to keep pumping up the American tires. I want to deflate them. <laughs> I'm trying to deflate them because, uh, you know, I, I that's the thing. It's going to be a Canada-U.S. final, but I feel like Canada wants to uh, – still has a little unfinished business from 2021, and I feel like they're going to do that. To me, um, I mean, that other semifinal, Finland and Slovakia, could Slovaks win a bronze? Do you think they're good enough to win a bronze? If Guyan plays like he played last year, yes. But if he doesn't, then no. Yeah. Yeah, I just... You know, Justin, you got anything to add? I we kind of went on a whole rant there. Yeah. I mean... I think the it's interesting that there's only three CHL players for the Americans, but I think this is their, we want to show you how badass our development program is this year uh, and blah, blah. So like, I know they've been touting it um, and kind of also as a, if they do very well, win gold, kind of as a younger talent, hey, stay here, don't go. You know to the CHL 
I think that they're playing a little bit of mind games, and I think that's the reason they're they're not bringing a lot of CHL players. Is kind of a, a test the pride thing. I'll also just add to that. Sorry, the the US does have seven guys from Boston College, which is by far well, the best team. So a third of their team is from one school. So uh, yeah, I lump in colleges with the U.S. development program, yeah. kind of yeah. So I I I think that's, I think management went. This is what we're doing. It's going to shoot ourselves in the foot if it doesn't work, or, but if it does, the payoff and the payoff was just too big to ignore, and it will. We'll have to see if it works. Um, I don't want to discount the two other teams in this tournament. Uh, one team, I think, now hear me out. So the final two teams are Latvia, spicy Latvia that, you know, uh, between them and the uh, World Hockey Championships, the senior World Hockey Championships, I should say, uh, stole the heart of a lot of hockey fans around the world. Uh, and Norway, who were uh, promoted uh, up from the other division. I think if Latvia was in group B instead of group A, I think not only would they make the quarterfinals, uh, I think they could potentially be that spoiler and get to the semifinals. Now they're in group A, they're going to have to battle it out, unfortunately, with Germany for that last spot. If Latvia should, they could surprise. Latvia is usually good for a, uh, whether it's a surprise good game against a Sweden, Finland, Canada, uh, uh, you know, they know that they're going to circle that Germany game because that could depend, you know, who gets that final spot in group A to go to the quarterfinals. Uh, so depending on, you know, we're all kind of being like, oh, Germany is a powerhouse. You know, Latvia has really kind of pushed it up as well uh, with their junior program. Uh, they've been kind of uh, up and down with their senior program, but I think they're really taking a hold of their junior program and, you know, building from the bottom up. Uh, so the future will be bright for them, I think. I hope, anyways. They had a really young team at the Senior Worlds last year, so. Um, but I I don't know. I could you know I we're not really giving Norway a shot. I think Latvia. Uh, is almost there, not quite, but I think they're they're getting to a point where they'll be consistently, up, uh, in the the top tier, um. Am I crazy talking or am I just hopeful because I really like the Latvian fans and how much it means uh, to the country of Latvia when they do well? I'll just say you're a little crazy um, because like the, the, the senior level, you've got much more of a larger talent pool. So each Latvian team, every say junior year, there might be two or three guys that are solid, very good hockey players that will go to the senior and play there for 10, 12 years. So there's your team right there. The junior level, they just don't have the enough of a talent pool to pull from to be ultra competitive. Now, every year, you know, they could win that one game and sneak into the quarterfinal, get into the last eight. You know, that's... They stay in the tournament by doing that. They will probably be the next handful of years in the relegation battle with whoever comes up. 
but them having the experience will probably keep winning that battle. So Norway, they'll be a one and done. They'll they came up. Odds are they're gonna go zero and six. So you play the four group games, and the relegation's a best of three. Relegation's so Nor- only single elimination this year. Oh, is it, they changed that? Okay. Yep. Okay, that I did not see that. So they'll probably go zero and five then. And then Kazakhstan will come up next year, most likely play Latvia in the relegation again. So that's just you're just a little bit crazy. But I love the Latvians too. That run to the and they had back in the spring when they were hosting the tournament. But the, that was that was phenomenal. I'll just touch in. Uh, it's always good. It's always fun to see Latvia in the tournament. I'll admit, um, family background is from Latvia, so. They're kind of that second team behind Canada. I I will definitely like to watch and see. Um, it's a good it's it's good for that program to be able to come up and stay consistent. The nice thing that they changed for a while because they always had two teams flipping back and forth, and the two teams that would just come up would just get smoked the whole tournament. Uh, now, when they've changed it so that way, now it's just two teams that play each other. And honestly, now it's, it used to be a best of three. And then now they just change it to a single elimination game. Um, I, th- I think that's better for having that one and done. You don't want to drag that on for too, too long. Uh, so who knows? Like, again, nor- it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like Norway could surprise Switzerland. Who knows? Uh, Latvia could surprise Germany. So that four, those four, five ranked teams that we'll say will have, will will say kind of where they're ranked there in their groups. Those are the games that those teams have circles as. Okay, this is the game that really counts because this is the game that will help us decide whether or not we stay up in the group. Or we go have to battle that relegation. Uh, I st- I still think Norway is a one and done uh, this year, but uh, again, surprises can happen. And we've been talking about relegation. I this is where I start to nerd out is. When we talk about the like the World Junior Hockey Championship, this is like the champion, the top tier. It goes, this tier system goes deep. We go all the way to the bottom. So let me say, so we talk about, so top division, and then it goes division one, which is the winner of division one goes up to the championship bracket. The loser, the one that gets relegated, goes down to group division one, group A. And then from there on, so we have Division One, Group B, where same thing. The winner of that will move up into Division One A, uh, and the bottom uh, team will be relegated to Division Two, Group A. And then we have Division Group Two, Group A, winner and loser goes back down. We have Division Two, Group B. Then we have Division Three. We have Division 3, Group A, and Group B. It goes as far down. So in Division 3, Group B, the three teams are Bosnia and Herzegovina, 
South Africa, and Luxembourg. That tournament will take place at the end of January. The winner of that will move up to Group A in Division 3. The Group A Division 3 tournament will also be held in uh, January. Uh, yet to be determined because uh, it hasn't happened yet. So the winner of that will move up to Division 2B and the loser will be relegated to that uh, Group B in Division 3. Same thing with uh, in Division 2 Group B and so on and so forth. But some tournaments have already happened. So we talked about Kazakhstan was the winner of Group A and Division 1. They will be promoted to the top division, the championship division for the 2025 tournament. Japan has been relegated to Division 1B group. The winner of Group B, who is moving into that Division 1A group, is Slovenia. Didn't know they fell that much. Uh, but the loser going down to Division 2 is Croatia. Fortunately, Croatia only had an overtime win in their tournament. Um, and so they were relegated. In Division 2, Group A, the other tournament that has already happened, South Korea is moving up to Division uh, Division 1A. Good for South Korea. And Spain has been relegated to the B group in Division 2. Sorry, Croatia's um, moving up to 1B, not 1A. They're moving down. Or sorry, South no, Africa's uh, moving up. Yeah. Sorry, South Korea. Wow. South Korea is, yeah. We're all struggling. South Korea is moving up to Division 1B, and then, yeah, Croatia's moving down to Division 2A. So you can get a little convoluted, but uh, I love looking at all the nations that play hockey, especially at the junior level, you know, in Division 2 Group A, we had South Korea, Lithuania uh, was runner-up, uh, Great Britain hosted the tournament, China, Netherlands, Spain, um, you know, Slovenia moving up to Division 1A next year, um, uh, Ukraine finished second, Italy, Estonia, a country you don't think of when hockey, Poland, uh, Croatia too, you, you know, usually don't think about, about them. Uh, you know, we have teams competing in the upcoming tournaments in January from Romania, so, uh, Serbia, Iceland, Chinese Taipei, Australia. It's just really cool to see all the different countries that are playing hockey at a, you know, guaranteed if the podcast made a team with everyone who's on the podcast, we played any of these countries, uh, probably uh, I wouldn't bet any money on us. Maybe, maybe if they had a tie, hand behind, hide, uh, hide behind their backs. Maybe. I don't know. I got like our chances in uh, Division Three Group B. I like our you chances. Want, you want to play Luxembourg? You want to? I, I like our chances. You know what? If they, I will, if they pay for it, I will go over to Luxembourg and play a hockey game against them. If you pay for it, I will go. That. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that's our expectations. Let us know what you think about this World Hockey Championships. Have you been to uh, World Juniors before? Uh, let us know on our social media pages. Um, you know, get ready. Uh, our last episode of the year uh, will drop after this, and we will kind of do a recap. Uh, we'll give out some awards, 
talk about what we're looking forward to in 2024. Uh, and then uh, our first episode after the holiday break, whenever that may be, um, we'll talk about the outcome of the World Juniors, probably touch on the ending of the NFL season and into the playoffs because it's going to be that time again. Uh, and it'll be 2024, so we'll be up for a new year. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, enjoy the tournament. Uh, pick a team, cheer for it. Uh, get really good at time time change and understanding when the games actually start. Don't sleep in or uh, think that you're uh, you should be up at a certain time and miss some sleep because you miscalculated time. Have a wonderful holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, any of the other holidays uh, that you may celebrate. Uh, and of course, as always, stay safe and sport on.